Let's open our New Testaments to 1 John, 1 John chapter 3. The Apostle John has one primary concern apparent throughout this epistle, that his readers and Christians today walk in the light as God is in the light, and that truth must be spoken and lived in response to error. See, an elaborate but false concept of the person and work of Jesus Christ was becoming popular. It was spreading with the potential of deceiving Christians. Some of those deceived had already left. A religious philosophy was being pressed in that age with a portrayal of Christ that contradicted what the apostles taught about him. It was human philosophy mixed up with the gospel and therefore not really the truth of the gospel. John was inspired by the Holy Spirit to respond with urgent corrective teaching. And we got into that in the second half of 1 John chapter 2, where John spoke of the last hour and the Antichrist and deceivers who were active in his time. Now, when you have to respond to false teaching, there is always the danger that argumentation becomes or is perceived as being academic and therefore not practical. At various places in the text of 1 John, John makes it clear to his readers the truth about who Jesus is and what he did, and that's of the highest practical value. The truth about who Jesus is and what he did defines who we are, what we believe, and how we live. It's connected. At various critical intersections in 1 John, the apostle punctuates that. John wants to be certain his readers know you can't let the truth about Christ be just an academic topic of discussion or debate. Behind it all, there is the love of God that makes it possible for, for us to be his children. And John does that here in 1 John 3, 1 through 3. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. Here's what I want to stress in this study. The truth about who Jesus is and what he did expresses to us the love of God, which, when fully appreciated, can take us to purity of life. Now, that's the main idea. The truth about who Jesus is and what he did 
expresses to us the love of God, which, when fully appreciated, can take us to purity of life. Let's explore that now from the text. Here's where it starts in chapter 3. The kind of love the Father has given to us. You know, preachers and writers struggle to find a good illustration of God's love. The struggle involves this. There is nothing on earth that really comes close. God's love that enables us to be his children has no human parallel. It is unlike anything we see in the ordinary course of human events. And this is exactly the point that Paul wrote about in Romans chapter 5 when you come to verse 8. God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now, Paul goes on to show something in Romans 5. I'll describe it. We know people who have sacrificed for others. I hope each of us have sacrificed for others, but so far we haven't died for others. And when we sacrificed in some way for others, it is likely the ones we were helping were good people. We have all lost loved ones to death, and some of you have lost children to death, but not so that sinners could be saved. So the love of God that makes it possible for sinners to be saved by the death of Christ has no parallel. Nothing here on earth adequately illustrates it. So John <clears throat> pauses his argumentation about the person and work of Jesus Christ that he was in pursuit of in chapter 2, and at this intersection, he connects the person and work of Christ to God's love for us that enables us to be saved out of sin. And John is saying to his readers, look at this, see this, behold the love of God. Be certain that you are clear about who Jesus is and what he did. Don't be deceived about who Jesus is. But don't dismiss what it's all about in terms of God's love. God's love for you is involved in this truth. The love that enables you to be his child. See, because of that active love of God which found expression in the person and work of Jesus Christ, we can be called children of God. Who Jesus is and what he did is not a sideline. It's not debatable trivia or merely historical fact. It is historical fact concerning how God's love was activated to get us out of sin and bring us to God. So behind the truth of Christ, Connected to it, there is the love of God when we accept that love by obeying the gospel, we become children of God. Do you see? 
John wants us not just to understand the debate about who Jesus is. He wants us to appreciate the love of God that sent him, making it possible for us to be members of his family. John says it this way, see what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God, and so we are. And then he adds, the reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. When I align myself with God, when I become his obedient child, and as I live out that way of life, the world doesn't like that. The world doesn't show me favor or praise. The world didn't show favor to Christ. When I follow him, the world will not show favor to me. I think part of this is don't be surprised. If you live right, those who live wrong will not like it. And many will express their dislike through forms of hostility or exclusion or even persecution. No surprise here. So don't get all down about that. Remember who we are, how loved we are, and what the outcome will be for the faithful. First John 3, verses 1 and 2. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. The truth about who Jesus is and what he did expresses to us the love of God, which, when fully appreciated, can take us to purity of life. Next, observe how the hope of the child of God is stated. What we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. When our thoughts become focused on the second coming of Christ, the resurrection of the dead, the final judgment, our entrance into heaven, it's tempting to let imagination get way ahead of knowledge or to engage in speculation and let speculation eventually become doctrine. There is, I suppose, if I can say it this way, a natural curiosity about the supernatural. We have questions about such things that may not have specific, detailed answers on the pages of Scripture. When the details are not revealed, we need to be satisfied with ignorance and be careful to avoid speculation. I think John reminds us of that here. It has not yet been revealed what we shall be. This doesn't mean there's no information. It means all that we might want to know about future things 
is not revealed now. We do not enjoy full present information about the future. And here is what we know. When he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. That's all we need to know. We know he, Christ, will be revealed. We also know we, his people, will be transformed so that we will be like him. This same truth is affirmed in Philippians 3.21. The Lord will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. I think John Stott was right when he said, It is enough for us to know that on the last day and through eternity, we shall be both with Christ and like Christ. For the fuller knowledge of what we shall be, we are content to wait. So this is 1 John chapter 3. Verses 1 and 2. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him, because we shall see him as he is. John wants us to have everything connected, who Jesus is and what he did, has behind it the love of God. Because of that, we can be children of God and as children of God have this hope that isn't given to satisfy our total curiosity but to supply sufficient motivation. And that takes us now to verse 3. Everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. I think it ought to be said that not everyone has this hope. If you are not walking in the light, if you are not walking as he walked, I'm referring to previous instruction given by John. If you're not practicing righteousness in the family of God, there are some who do not enjoy this hope. But everyone who has this hope of seeing him, being with him and like him, everyone with this hope finds a powerful motive for purity. This is what hope should do for us. It should supply motivation to continue with the Lord, to keep ourselves in the Lord, to walk in the light, to be motivated properly here and now. We must focus on this hope. It gives us motive for purity now. The Christian who fixes his hope on Christ's return will purify himself not just academically or in a debate scenario, but morally and internally. 
great steps toward moral purity can be taken under the influence of this hope. It helps us with the pain and struggle against sin and error and compromise. This hope enables us to overcome evil thoughts. Certainly, the apostle does not deny and has affirmed all the divine aid necessary to overcome sin, namely the love of God, the death of Christ, the word of God. Here, he brings into view the motivating value of hope. The motivating value of hope. But remember what is fundamental to all of this, who Christ is, the truth about his person and work, what he did for us, prompted by the love of God, the truth about who Jesus is and what he did, expresses to us the love of God, which, when fully appreciated, can take us to purity of life. I want you to listen again to our text. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. And Everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. That's our passage in 1 John 3, 1 through 3. Takeaways. Never forget that God's love is behind God's plan. When you read in the Old Testament and the New Testament about the details of God's scheme of redemption, God's plan leading to who Christ is and what Christ did. And when you respond apologetically to deceivers, never forget that behind all of this, that is a part of discussion and debate, there is God's love. Never forget that God's love is behind God's plan. By his grace, we can be called children of God. We respond to God when we first started the life of a Christian. We confessed our faith in Christ. We repented. We were baptized. We respond to God. By his grace, we are called children of God. Our response connects us, connects us to God, and we are called his children by grace. The world doesn't recognize that. No surprise. Hope, properly conceived and kept, motivates purity. I call this class study God's love and the truth about Jesus that leads to the hope that purifies. God's love and the truth about Jesus that leads to the hope that purifies. All these things need to be connected. That connection can take us to great heights of motivation resulting in discipline and purity and 
soundness of belief. And would you consider everything John tells the Christian to do is enriched, strengthened, and heightened by his affirmation about God's love and the truth about Christ? What should we be doing, do you think? What should we be doing? When you look back in 1 John chapter 1, 2, and 3, what should Christians be doing? Walking in the light, confessing our sins, keeping his commandments, walk just as he walked, love your brother, do not love the world, do the will of the Father, practice righteousness, and embrace the love of God that enables us to be his children, and along with that, the hope that motivates us to be people of purity. 1 John 3, 1 through 3. Thank you for listening.